The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4,288 of The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual, and it must be said, panidiotic world. I am Andy Zaltzman. It is the 22nd of January 2024. I am here in London in the Shed of Truth to bring you the very latest on this once great planet's descent into the inescapable hellscape of paint. Sorry, the news. Uh, the news. Uh, joining me uh, this week on The Bugle, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show uh, from here in London, Ria Lena, and from New York City, Josh Gondelman. Hello to both of you. And how are you? Good day. How's, uh, how's 2024 treating you so far? The problem with 2024 is that it's continuous with 2023. <laughs> I wish we could kind of lop off the previous years and jettison them into space like the stages of a rocket, but we just kind of rolled right into the new one. So I'm doing okay, but there's still a lot of baggage, like the whole past. Yeah, Whereas that's... I don't I don't think 2024's noticed me yet, and I'm just <laughs> going to just fly under the radar for now. That's my plan. <laughs> just be like, huh. was she even there that year? <laughs> You're gonna sit this one out. <laughs> no, I'm ready. I'm ready. On I'm on the bench. I'm ready to tag mm. in as soon as somebody wants me to tag in. I'm just saying somebody has to keep the bench warm too. <laughs> I do like the idea of just just cutting off everything from the previous year and yeah. jettisoning it. Essentially, I mean that's essentially what we need to do with all of human history because it just pisses people off. So, yeah, but if December the 31st, just, everyone just had to forget everything that happened in the previous 12 months, yeah. I think the world would be a much happier place. We say let old acquaintances be forgot, right? And we should just forget way more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need a song about forgetting everything. <laughs> also, I mean, in, in old you know, farming, you know, you leave fields fallow mm-hmm. every few years to make mm-hmm. sure they, uh, um, you know, they, they, they remain productive. I think there should be countries that have to do so. Like America should just have to take off one year in four from doing anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, Ideally, the election year. <laughs> well, more, uh, <laughs> more on that uh, later. Um, as I said, we are recording on the 22nd of January 2024. If you think the issue of Nepo Babies is bad today, the offspring of uh, the rich, powerful and famous coasting on the wealth and achievements of their parents. Consider yourself lucky not to have been around in 613 AD, when on this day, the 22nd of January, eight-month-old Constantine was crowned co-emperor of the Byzantine or Eastern Roman Empire by his father, uh, Heraclius. Uh, not the first example of a Nepo baby, of course, as, for example, the history of Christianity. Uh, mm-hmm. can attest uh, another Nepo child, Queen Victoria, who got her job purely on the basis of who her granddaddy was, she popped her octogenarian clogs on this day in 1901, sadly passing away 123 years before seeing her beloved Detroit Lions reach their first NFC Championship (laughs) game in over three decades. Victoria also tragically died before filling her lifelong ambitions of riding a quad bike down a ski ramp, appearing in a series of The Masked Monarch, or recording a drill album with the then Prime Minister Robert Gascoigne Cecil, the third Marquess of Salisbury. Learn from that, Buglers, seize the day, and set achievable goals based on when in history you're alive, which I assume is now, as uh, we record. Um, on the on yesterday, exactly 100 years ago, uh, yesterday, uh, the 21st of January 1924, communist revolution star Lenin died, uh, aged 53. We've got some of the tab- tabloid uh, headlines from the newspapers uh, the next day, on the 22nd of January 1924. Red and dead, uh, Marxist carks it. Uh, Vladra Kadavra, Lenin pops commie clogs. Um, that was, um, I think, from the uh, uh, the Moscow Mirror. And of course, Len out. 
Um, but his legacy <laughs> lives on, uh, of course, by which I mean his still dead and weirdly waxy corpse lives on, uh, deadly, in the uh, former Kremlin resident's own personal Red Square mausoleum. Um, apparently it costs around $200,000 a year to, prever- uh, to preserve uh, Lenin's uh, common corpse in the, uh, the the mausoleum. Is that? I mean, is that... Is that really money well spent, do you think? I just listen to Imagine every time I want to remember him. (laughs) (laughs) And it brings it back enough. Do they preserve, do they genuinely preserve Lennon's corpse? Yeah. Yeah, it's... um, All of it or like just the head? Well, no, the whole the whole thing. I don't know. I mean, that is a money saving idea, though, Ria. Right, two hundred thousand dollars for the whole body. I bet you could do the head for fifteen k. Right, and that's all you need, apparently, in the future. Yeah. It's what? just the head. I mean, if they're saving all of it, when you freeze, you know, when you like freeze grapes and they go turgid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it the same with with? Um, look, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't expecting to be talking about Lenin's balls this early in the show, but um, yeah, I guess. These are the science questions that come to mind, though. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's wondering well, about that's, his tackle. That's what, that, is, that is the risk of having an actual scientist on the bugle rear, but I'm, a, I'm prepared to take that risk. <laughs> um, if uh, any of you buglers do have uh, any information on the state of Lenin's Nadgers, do email us in um, uh, to our new email address, <laughs> communistdictatorstesticles at thebuglepodcast.com. Um, as always, a section of the bugle is going uh, straight uh, in the bin. This week, a New Year's resolutions uh, section, uh, because by this stage of January, most uh, New Year's resolutions have been binned off. Um, and obviously, of course, from a global point of view, the new millennium resolutions uh, to foster a world of peace, freedom, secularism, democracy, harmony and mutual cooperation. Not going too well. And I think I don't know where we are in terms of the millennium um, as you know a proportion of how far through January we've got. Uh, but... It's really not going uh, very well at all. But we've all been there with New Year's resolutions, haven't we? On the 1st of January, we make a solemn vow to ourselves that we'll give up something. For example, we'll give up making lies about going on exciting adventures. And then by, what was it, the 22nd of January, as we are now, we're halfway down the Amazon in search of the lost golden snooker table of John the Baptist, singing I Will Survive with Mick Jagger and his new pet piranha in a stolen German U-boat. I am so, so off that wagon. Uh, a wagon in which, incidentally, I crossed the Gobi Desert with Nigel Mansell at an average <laughs> speed of 127 miles an hour. But that's another story. And we look at uh, some of these celebrities who have admitted to uh, giving up on their New Year's resolutions. Star footballer uh, Ubiquitous Jar Moyle of the New York Forks uh, made a resolution to stop wearing helmets. Uh, that didn't last uh, very long. Uh, supermodel Flardonia Blues has committed to wearing vegan ethic clothes uh, throughout January, but after an unfortunate incident with a banana leaf crop top, has gone back to wearing the still warm pelts of fresh slain squirrels that uh, uh, made her name on the modelling circuit and uh, UN Secretary General Antonio uh, Guterres, uh, he made a resolution to stop slamming his head on his desk saying why, 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 why every five minutes that lasted less than five minutes uh, so that section is in the bin uh, are, are either of you uh, New York's uh, resoluters? New York's New Year's even <laughs> I made some New York's resolutions <laughs> I'm never going to stop walking over here. <laughs> I imagine you do that every day, Josh. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking to you. <laughs> I always have the same resolution, and I've I've had it for, I think it's maybe six or seven years running, which is to be a more uh, considerate and available friend and a more looming and formidable enemy. Uh, <laughs> I resolve that every year. Do we get to choose which one you are to us? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh. fine. Oh, you know, I'm going to be honest. I'm so tempted to see you loom. 
<laughs> oh, thank you. you That's so I'd nice. Love to, I'd love to see you loom, Josh. That's nobody says that one, but I appreciate yeah. it. I mean, you do you do have a you know a naturally looming and ominous vibe, mm. Josh? And thank that you. Comes very strongly on this show. I've got kind of a ghost bod. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if I was translucent, people would be like, that checks out. (laughs) (laughs) Top story this week. And, uh, well, uh, we've partnered up with a TV show this week. Kids say the most harrowing things uh, for our top story. Um, The Oxford University Press uh, has delivered further proof that we are not entirely bequeathing quite as fun a planet to our descendants as might be ideal. Uh, The OUP has declared that its children's words of the year for 2023, after a poll of around 1,500 children, were in first place, climate change, in second place, war, and in third place, coronation. Um, So this was specifically British children, but I like to think British children, as always, are representative of the entire uh, planet. These words saw off the challenges of, uh, amongst other words, robo-parent, govalord, and what the f*** have you done to our future, you generations, loads of f***ing idiots, uh, which came in in a disappointing eighth place. I mean, I think this, this does reveal a lot about... You know how children are uh, having to deal with the world that that, that we, we are giving them at uh, at, at the moment. And it, I mean, in the past, of course, childhood was a happy, carefree breeze. When as a youngster, you had nothing more to worry about than dying of bubonic plague, brutally sadistic schooling, having no real realistic prospects of choosing your own path in life, particularly if you were uh, poor and or a girl, and uh, frankly, harrowing lack of screen time. But now it's arguably. <laughs> Got even worse. What, what have you? Uh, what have you guys made of uh, made of this? I don't know. I mean, the word of the year when I was a kid was "man in a van" with puppies and sweets. So <laughs> I feel I don't know who had it worse. <laughs> it's it's kind of sad, but at the same time, have you been hearing about you know? Because the kids that they're the age range that they're questioning is is Gen Alpha, Gen Alpha, and they are notoriously the worst generation to teach because they they don't respect authority whatsoever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And mm-hmm. I'm sitting here dooming and glooming, and I'm like, you know what? Just give them TikTok and leave them the planet. <laughs> Just, you know, leave them the planet. I mean, you know, the generations ahead of them solved a lot of things. They they can, you know, they'll they'll figure it out that they should have paid attention in school when they realize that they're in trouble. Just some people are experiential learners, and clearly Generation Alpha needs to experience before they'll learn. So leave them to it. <laughs> I actually kind of think I kind of appreciate that they don't respect authority because I'm authority. And it's like, yeah, you nailed me to the wall, kids. You got it. Um, I love that coronation came in third, which yeah. is, again, as you said, that's like um, uh, the American equivalent uh, of coronation being the word of the years. Uh, in election year again already. Um, when I was 10 years old, I my word of the year would have been either cowabunga or... Uh, boobs spelled with numbers upside down on a calculator. Yes. Oh my gosh. Or, or in my case, because I'm Asian, boob less. Oh sure. Yeah. <laughs> Have to be inclusive. I, I was. I think it was. I was precocious, if, if, if anything. That's you know? beautiful. Right. That's a longer Nine, word than I could. That's a spelled. much longer word. <laughs> uh, with numbers too. I do think it is impressive that kids are doing better than adults on this front. Because Oxford's word of the year, presumably for adults or precocious, annoying dictionary reading children, <laughs> um, was Riz, which is an abbreviation for charisma, right? Meaning like, ha- you know, no. b- having charm. Yeah. Oh, um, no. Although, <laughs> apparently, for Generation Alpha, 
Riz is short for there is not much time left to reverse <laughs> the damage we've done to our environment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to, to illustrate how things have changed, just nine years ago, the children's word of the year was minions, um, which I believe was something to do with a popular cartoon film rather than children children feeling they were powerless pawns trapped in the machinery <laughs> of the capitalist industrialist complex but I, I, I guess it could have been could have been both and i, I guess mm-hmm. in that case which children did they ask was it still a uk <laughs> survey or was it like a bangladeshi survey oh I, well i don't know i mean uh, it's possible we outsourced it at that point um wow. and of course you know a coronation from this year i guess that taps into that theme of eternal immutable servitude so so it is possible that there is a, a bit of a link <laughs> Uh, but this year's list proves once again how poetry was Philip Larkin was so nearly correct when he wrote, they f*** you up, your mum and dad. He just missed off the generation um, at the end. <laughs> this was according to the Oxford University Press, which is one of the more intellectual football strategies. I think Jurgen Klopp tried it when he was manager at Bayer Schnitzel back early in his career. You got in midfield high, closing down the opposition defenders, and then you use philosophical arguments for why they should give you the ball back. But anyway, look, um, I, di- I digress. Uh, publishers always react to trends. And uh, knowing what today's kids are uh, interested in linguistically, look out on the 2024 children's bestseller list for forthcoming titles, including Petula, the homeless polar bear, fights in brutal house-to-house combat, uh, Herbert Hedgehog <laughs> dies alone, and uh, Mr. Apocalypse, which is comfortably the darkest in the Roger Hargreaves Mr. Men franchise, probably since Mr. <laughs> Tickle. I, I, I do want to get that homeless... I want to watch the homeless polar bear fight. <laughs> did you say house-to-house combat? I did, yeah. So literally goes house-to-house trying to take over someone's house? I think they probably have in mind some of those scenes in Band of Brothers uh, uh, in some of the early combat combats. Anyway, but. I mean, are the, is this? I mean, is it igloo to igloo? Is it how far? How far <laughs> south those, is this? The igloos have long coming? gone. The igloos have melted. I'm afraid. Right. So. <laughs> I, I would. I would definitely buy that book. I'd be interested in that. Uh, let's look at the rest of the uh, world's news now to prove. Uh, quite how correct our children are in their their, Mm. (laughs) how they're looking at the planet and uh well as we've touched on already it is a leap year and this can mean only one thing that america is going to spend the entire year feasting on the festering corpse of its own self-slaughtered democracy whilst the rest of the world thinks oh well at least there's an olympics to distract us for a couple of weeks in the summer uh i mean josh like so many addicts america just can't help going back to things it it knows will do it harm in this case its own democratic process and Mm -hmm. um We've had the uh, the Iowa caucus last week. Got the New Hampshire primaries coming up uh, this week. The Republican field has been whittled down. From, <laughs> was it? It's been kind of a self-whittling process. Yeah. <laughs> a little self-whittlation has been going on in the Republican field. Uh, to just two, uh, Donald Trump, the overwhelming favourite, and uh, and Nikki Haley. I mean, can you explain? It's so hard as outsiders to understand. Yeah. Uh, uh, Josh, because I mean, for Trump to be the overwhelming favourite, to me, yeah. that seems like a half-eaten child voting to have the crocodile as teacher uh, again. Um, but America being America, this seems just to be the way that you do things. Correct. Yeah. As you may have been fearing, the United States has a presidential election coming up once again. <laughs> um, obviously, we don't vote for president until November, but the campaign kicks off just before the current president takes office. Um <laughs> It's kind of a long-running thing. This week, as you mentioned, is the New Hampshire primary where the media shows up to pretend Republicans might nominate someone other than Trump, and the Democrats have decided they can't be bothered to participate in at all. Uh, (laughs) The Democratic establishment is sticking with Joe Biden over the field, even though many voters would opt for an empty field as president if one were on the ballot. (laughs) 
Honestly, um, when he's asleep, it is an empty field. <laughs> Sometimes when he's awake. Um, <laughs> Governor Ron DeSantis's campaign has become somewhat of a, it's gained hurricane force in that it's now mostly going to be doing harm to the people of Florida this spring. <laughs> Uh, but ripple effects of his destruction will be felt throughout the American South. Uh, <laughs> Many pundits are saying Nikki Haley has a chance to make up some ground with Republican voters against Donald Trump, the man they currently believe to still be president. Uh <laughs> Trump's brain has seemed especially sun-dried lately, and he appeared to confuse Nikki Haley with Nancy Pelosi in a recent speech, <laughs> leading some to speculate. This real leading some to speculate he might be losing ground in the polls. That is, of course, ridiculous. Trump's voters do not expect or even want the things Trump says to be rooted in reality. <laughs> He could say that he wants to declare war on the moon because it's cheap and delicious cheese exports have caused Americans to stop producing our own dairy products and his supporters would decide the moon has become woke and boycott the sky. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of where we're at. It's kind of a um uh, a series of play acting pseudo elections leading to an inevitable result. Uh this is like if Rocky and Apollo Creed were meeting again in Rocky or 10, well past <laughs> Apollo Creed's death. That's about how America is looking forward to this rematch. I have so many questions. Please. Like, so, first of all, what does gubernatorial mean? <laughs> oh, um, yeah. You know those peanut M&Ms? Yes. <laughs> That's them. No. Um, <laughs> gubernatorial, we decided to turn governor into an adjective, and we didn't go with the much handier governory, <laughs> governorish. <laughs> So Governor you're telling North. me that when someone runs for governor, that's a that's what gubernatorial is? That's all it is. Oh, filibuster? Oh, filibuster. That's what we're doing right now. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's just when you talk and talk and talk so no one else can talk. <laughs> oh, this but, is why Chicago's called the Windy City, isn't it? Because that's right. it wasn't that it's windy. Yeah. It's that somebody talked and talked and talked and talked. Yep. And and they just It's the, the bluster of the politicians, which <laughs> this is I'm from Boston and this is how like aggressive and petty we are is that every once in a while there'll be a study that says Boston has greater wind velocity and frequency than Chicago and everyone's like, "Ah, we fucking knew it. Our weather sucks the worst." <laughs> <laughs> it fucking sucks and fucking blows. <laughs> Take that Chicago. I mean, the whole thing is my, you know, and how you have like, you know, Iowa had a caucus, but New mm -hmm. Hampshire had a primary. Yeah. Um, and but New Hampshire has to have the first, but at least the first primary, not the yep. first caucus, because yeah, Iowa yeah, yeah. first. Are the de the Democrats not doing it at all? They're they passed this year. <laughs> On all of them, like oh, all yeah, 50 yeah. states. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just like, nah. Well, we got a lot on our plate this year. <laughs> Well, the, the um, it, it began well for Trump last week with a convincing win in the Iowa caucus. Iowa, uh, co uh, coincidentally, with the words that Donald Trump was overheard shouting after the Trump organization was slapped with, uh, was slapped with a three hundred and seventy million dollar fine for fraud in New York State. Iowa. Um, <laughs> He took 51% uh, of the votes in the Iowa caucus, well down on the 100% he thinks he won in the 2020 presidential election, but still um, a pretty good start uh, for him. And it's a busy time for Trump, isn't it? One day caucus, next day court case. It must be quite hard <laughs> to keep track of which is which for the 77-year-old former president and insurrection fan. Um, I guess... If you've seen him in court, he treats them the same. <laughs> well, exactly. And I think you would rather win the court case than the caucus, honestly. 
<laughs> or the caucus is the only chance to keep him out of future court cases. So there is kind of a lot of, it's a real soupy mess we get going on here. I mean, it is one of the ironies of this election that, um, ironically, in America, I think I'm right in saying, Josh, the prison population can't vote, and yet one of their own could be president. I think representation is so important, and... <laughs> And that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to get a um, convicted criminal, right? Because that, that's the only way things change, is you, the change that people can see. So I think that's going to inspire future prisoners. I don't think it's a good idea to put Trump in prison. The moment he's in that orange jumpsuit, he's going to completely disappear. And he's going to escape. <laughs> it's, it's really short-sighted. I, I, and I, I, also... I don't think that he's going mad when he confused Nancy Pelosi with Nikki Haley. I think it's a very clever trick. because he, Oh, it's a very clever trick because now everybody who doesn't know them from each other anyway is going to repeat that story. Everyone's mm-hmm. going to go, yeah, 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 when Nikki Haley was in charge of 10,000 security people <laughs> you know, on, on January 6th and she wasn't <laughs> there, she wasn't even in office, but it doesn't matter, the damage is done and I think we should do the same thing. Like when Rishi Sunak said that we should invade Iraq, I, you know, I thought that was damaging and wrong. Um, you know, when, and I think we should, you know, when he was uh, invading Poland, I think that, you know, someone should have stopped him. And I think we should just keep doing the same thing. I think it's a very clever political ruse. Uh, also, I mean, I think we've got to cut Trump a little bit of slack because it's quite easy to confuse Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi. There are there are a couple of differences between them. One is a Republican and one is a Democrat. One mm-hmm. Uh, was an implacable opponent of Trump while he was president previously. The other served Trump as U.S. ambassador to the U.N. So those are differences. But there's so many similarities mm-hmm. between them. Mm-hmm. that They're both from the northern hemisphere. So mm-hmm. I'd give that a Trump confusion mm-hmm. rating of 7 out of mm-hmm. 10. Because with over, with over yeah. 6.5 billion inhabitants, it's really hard to keep up on exactly who is who in the world's most famous uh, hemisphere. Um, both of their names end in E sounds. And both, <laughs> of, both of their names. I'd give that a Trump confusion rating of 9 out of 10. Because... Who amongst us has not mixed up people with sort of rhyming names? Who has mm-hmm. not confused tennis star Rafa Nadal with the almost interchangeable American writer Gore Vidal? Uh, I mean, <laughs> to me, they're almost one and the same. Who has not confused the 16th century French theologian Calvin with the celebrity cartoon chipmunk Alvin? I know how I have, much of the disappointment of my children in a uh, cinema trip. Uh, or who's not confused <laughs> Canadian pop star Carly Rae Jepsen with the Epson stylus 800 inkjet printer. Uh, We've all made those mistakes. Also, both Haley and Pelosi are women, which I would give a Trump Mm. confusion rating of 10 Mm. out of 10, Mm -hmm. because in the Trumpian mind, women are, as he's frequently implied, entirely interchangeable. And both are uh, aged over 35, which also I'd give a Trump confusion rating of 10 out of 10. Haley, 52. Pelosi, just three decades older at 83. Both uh, on the TGS. Way too old. TGS is the Trumpic grabability scale. Um, So... You can understand is, why he made, made made that mistake, to be honest. That is, I think that's kind of a, you know, many people say that Trump is racist. Many people fact his behavior says that Trump is racist. <laughs> and I think maybe he's just trying to prove that he's not, right? Maybe he's trying to say, I don't see color. I just hate women. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I think, uh, a little fraught that we have... Um, that we allow these two states to kind of influence our political discourse, Iowa and New Hampshire, because America is a giant, vast, diverse uh, array of people and interests. And we're allowing two states with the same demographic as the family from Full House (laughs) (laughs) to make all our early decisions. Um, As you mentioned, Ron DeSantis has, has, has dropped out saying he did not have quotes, a clear path forward to victory. Um, 
he's he posted a video on um x formerly known as uh twitter uh, formerly known as x formerly known as twitter <laughs> I, I forget the stage we're at in that that little dance of nomenclature um in which he apparently quoted winston churchill mm-hmm. saying success is not final failure is not fatal it's the courage to continue that counts and then failed to continue um so i don't know what we can read uh, into that but he was faced it seemed to me just that desantis was faced with one ultimately unconquerable problem that his whole shtick was being an insufferable shithead and he yeah. could not compete with the fact that the man he was up against was the ultimate insufferable shithead he was That's trying right. to dethrone trump from the kazi of pseudo-republican misanthropy and he just didn't really have a chance did he no, of course not. It's like Oasis trying to get voted best Beatles. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> Migration news here in the UK. The controversial Rwanda bill we've talked about uh, sporadically on the bugle was passed by the House of Commons uh, last week, but without any of the amendments which had threatened to shatter Conservative Party unity after Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, saw off um, last week's backbench rebellion. I'm not sure what this week's uh, is, or I think it's scheduled for Wednesday at 4pm, but um, I don't know, it does change slightly from from week to week. Admittedly, Conservative Party unity can be shattered by a slightly sedated butterfly waking up for its afternoon flap. But still, uh, credit uh, where it's due. I mean, the what was really extraordinary about it, uh, Ria, was that after he managed to sort of force this hugely unpopular bill uh, through parliament due to the uh, incredible gravitational force of electoral necessity amongst his own mps he played the will of the people card challenging the house of lords our uh, second chamber um our unelected and unaccountable second chamber but still our second chamber challenging them not to go against the will of the people uh, because he uh, as you may remember buglers if you've listened to the show uh, over well any of recent years uh, sunak was um, elected not by the people um, not even by a small part of the people, but by about 200 of his own uh, MPs uh, from memory, who, uh, after his own party membership, had chosen Liz Truss ahead of him just weeks uh, before. Um, also, this policy was first put forward in April 2022, two and a half years after the most recent chance the people had to will anything. Um, it was a remarkably ballsy um, <laughs> piece of bullshit, even by uh, recent prime ministerial standards, I thought. And actually, I'm glad you brought up April 2022, because I don't know how many people remember this, but Rwanda and this whole idea of why don't we, why don't we just send them to Rwanda was Boris trying to, di- to distract the nation away from the Sugre report, which came out the day before. So I don't think he ever meant this to be a real <laughs> thing. He just sort of went, yeah, well, uh, 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 Rwanda, and he threw it out there. And then somebody else decided, oh, what a good idea, picked it up and decided to run with it. And here we are now passing a bill where we in the UK have decided definitively legislatively that rwanda is safe that's what we've decided (laughs) it's safe and i'm like do you know how much we could achieve if that's actually if if this is a possibility why don't we just legislate you know a working two-state solution in the middle east or why don't we just legislate that north korea no longer has nuclear weapons like why are we i mean if if we have this power why aren't we fixing real shit and then to turn around and have the audacity to turn to the House of Lords, who, by the way, this is the House of Lords. So if you're not in the UK, it is completely unelected. And in it sits pretty much all the landowners of the UK. That's how it was started, is everybody who owned 
owned land automatically got to have a say and on that land worked all the people so if anybody knows the will of the people it's the people who owned them <laughs> and to turn around and say to them they want this and i went i'm pretty sure they don't actually if anything all of the strikes we've been having over the last year is going to tell you what the people actually want they want to be paid properly for the work that they do they want services like the nhs and the trains to run properly they'd like to eat rishi is that too much to ask they'd really really like to eat these are the things that they want and you're sitting here going no no they want a few people that have managed to make it all the way over here in inflatable rafts to be sent to rwanda and to know for their own peace of mind that they'll be safe there um <laughs> Um, because that's what we want. Do you know Rwanda offered to give the money back? Yeah, Rwanda yeah. said, you know what? Take the money back. We don't want any more to do with this. They are so insulted by this entire procedure. In fact, I heard that all of our kids on gap years who are building houses and orphanages in Rwanda have actually been offered asylum because they're not sure Britain's safe anymore for them to go back to. This, this is the biggest political shit show. And then there's little Rishi who wears his suit slightly too small because he thinks they'll make him look bigger. <laughs> Telling us that this is what the silent majority want. They're silent for a reason, Rishi, and it's because they're deeply, deeply disappointed in you. <laughs> I so this is like a strange thing to me. I'm just getting caught up on this story a little bit. I also this is an opportunity for me to once again feel confident in American efficiency, like our powerful and efficiency. Because um, you have the House of Lords as an unelected body of people uh, kind of advocating for entrenched regressive interests. We've condensed that whole body down to a nine person court. And I think <laughs> that is just kind of like the power of American ingenuity. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, so if I to understand correctly, right? The 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 Tories were threatening to vote. The conserv far right conservatives were threatening to vote against the safety of Rwanda, and because they got caught in this like double bind of racism, right? Where they either had to declare that an African nation was a safe and thriving state, or accept migrants into the UK, and <laughs> racism at home narrowly won out against racism abroad. Is that what happened? That's that's a, that's a very accurate, yes. uh, yeah. accurate okay. summary. Thank of you. It. So the, so this like go back to Africa bill has enshrined as policy the kind of thing a drunken conservative might just like yell at his uh neighbor right yes. who has a different skin color and it falls just short of making fake mocking chinese the officially recognized language of china <laughs> according to the united kingdom yeah i mean that, and again this sort of goes back to the origin that that, that ria talked about in boris johnson's awkwardness as mm -hmm. uh, as as prime minister and it, it sort of illustrates a kind of classic classic trope of modern leadership that it doesn't matter how insane and unpopular an idea is what matters is that you have the strength to stick with it in the face of reality, evidence, logic, ethics, and law. Uh, and um, uh, so, so that's—I mean—that's almost more important than anything. It doesn't matter that it's—it's it's cost us two hundred and fifty million pounds, and we've sent—we have Rwandaed zero, uh, zero asylum seek. I think we can now use Rwanda as a verb, um, uh, which uh, I think to Rwanda will also come to mean to make something up that you know won't work because you had to be seen to do something and stick with it despite it being ineffective, inefficient, uneconomic and probably illegal because you can't be seen to back down. Such a language always uh, always evolves. But, um, but that'll be children's word of the year next year. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, in more uh, children fearing their future news, obviously one of the, the great issues for modern children is the fact that they will be inevitably be taken over by uh, the AI robots that are going to take over us all, but you know, at least people of our age have had a bit more time to enjoy not being governed by AI robots. I mean, ever since the dawn of humanity, people have wondered when the robots would take over, and these days that day seems to be getting ever closer by the day. We have two hopes for salvation. One is waiting for another species to overtake us and then keep us as much-loved pets, as happened, of course, with dogs after we took the top dog position from them. Uh, it's got a sting when you lose a position that's been named after you, <laughs> as I know from when I lost the Andy Zaltzman Award for Best Bugle Co-Host to... Um, look, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, and uh, uh, our second hope for salvation is that the robots turn on each other. And we saw that this week when an AI chatbot for the delivery firm DPD... <clears throat> was coaxed into a bout of uncharacteristic and almost pitiably nihilistic self-awareness, admitting tearfully that it was useless and then viciously turning on its owner with a frankly withering haiku, of all things. Um, this is after a customer <laughs> asked it to write a haiku and to swear, and it did that uh, on on demand. I mean, what can we learn about you know, the, where we are in this process of all humanity being eradicated by... By the computerized future. Well, I feel vindicated because I was on Hinge and I was having a miserable time. And I'm like, I knew AI didn't want me to find love. I knew it. Because <laughs> Hinge uses an AI algorithm to try and pair you up with people. And I'm like, I don't trust this. Why should I trust AI to find me my next life partner when it can't even draw hands? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And now I know. Now I know it's as bitter and alone as I am. And DPD deserves what it gets. Yep. I'm actually kind of nervous about this development because, um, you know, railing against customer service, uh, self-loathing, cursing, chatbots have gotten too close to being human. That's, <laughs> this is the most relatable a robot has ever been. Just being like, ah, this company never, they, they suck at delivery and I, I'm a fucking piece of shit. And I'm like, man, this is, they are like, they've been reading my mind this is too scary <laughs> someone's gonna turn down the dial on how powerful these chatbots are i think it's a real wake-up call for dpd though because the, fundamentally the way ai works is it scans everything that the internet has to offer and then it and then it and it processes that and spits it back out at you so if the only thing it can come up with when somebody says write a haiku about dpd is dpd can't do its job dpd is a piece of shit means dpd needs to up its game because that's all it's finding on the internet about dpd <laughs> I, mean, I mean that is i think we need to get um, chatbots for everybody and and set these little tests for them because it's the fastest way to see what the internet has about you that's out there um the toy government should really be spending every morning you know with the tory ai chatbot for half an hour just going and um, what does the internet think about us <laughs> <laughs> um the the art of customer service has of course advanced over the years from unprofitable attempts to actually serve customers to the more commercially savvy approach of driving customers into a pit of frustration and despair saving on costly humans to provide actual assistance to other humans and ensuring that extracting a basic answer to a basic question is a task akin to getting a coherent answer from a dead pharaoh about what they'd like from a, a takeaway app without actually being allowed inside their pyramid. Um, this approach is called the futilitarian approach, um, making uh, futility the ultimate aim of all human life. Um, so, and then we just give up and accept that our broken, broken washing machine is a divinely ordained fate and get on with our lives. So <laughs> it makes, makes commercial sense. Uh, before we go, uh, sports section now, and uh, while well, it's been the uh, NFL uh, playoffs, 
And, uh, well, thrilling action. Taylor Swift put in a superb fourth-quarter defensive performance to see the Kansas City Chiefs (laughs) through to the AFC Championship game. The 34-year-old billionaire musician inspiring the Chiefs to hold off the Buffalo Bills, who played without any support from Taylor Swift in a gripping 27-24 victory. In offense, Swift uh, proved simply too melodic for the Bills to handle, passing and receiving for two touchdowns and handing the ball off to herself to run in for another. Next Sunday, Swift Swift will face the Baltimore Ravens, who, despite the absence of Taylor Swift, put in a superb second-half performance to overcome the equally Taylor Swiftless Houston Texans. Although none of the 44 points scored in the game were celebrated by Taylor Swift, the Ravens somehow managed to run out 34-10 winners thanks to star quarterback Not Taylor Not Swift, who confirmed his Grammy award-winning credentials with two superb rushing touchdowns. Taylor Swift was not involved in the game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers, so no one knows who won that one, whilst the Detroit Lions and Tampa Bay Buckets evidently held no interest for the We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together singer and have both been eliminated. Full updates on uh, Taylor Swift's um, championship matches against herself <laughs> next week. I'm I'm pulling for Taylor Swift. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, I I'm actually um, I haven't been following the NFL because I've been so busy training my kids how to play darts. <laughs> that's the future. That is the future. Um, yeah. That brings us to the end of this week's uh, bugle. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to buy your tickets to the bugle live tour in March um, uh, around the UK. Details. Uh, on the Bugle website and elsewhere on the internet and to join our voluntary subscription scheme and to give a, a recurring or one-off contribution to help keep the show free, flourishing and independent go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button premium level voluntary subscribers will soon be receiving an exclusive vinyl record of a special uh, edition of The Bugle uh, Josh, anything to plug? Oh my gosh, I'm I'm doing things again. <laughs> I'm, I'm back on the road across the U.S. Um, currently, I have dates for sale in Beverly, Massachusetts, outside Boston this weekend, the January 26th and 27th, and then later I'm going to uh, shoot Minneapolis. Uh, excuse me, St. Paul, not Minneapolis. But I don't mean to be offensive. I know Bloomington, <laughs> oh. Indiana. Uh, and New Orleans, Louisiana. Very excited for those dates. You can get tickets to everything at joshgondelman.com. I have a newsletter called That's Marvelous. You can also, it's joshgondelman.substack.com or you can get it from my website. It's free pep talks every Monday and you can see all the other stuff I'm working on. Uh, I have a little 10 minute stand up set that don't, I shot, shot with Don't Tell Comedy that you can find on YouTube or, um, available you can find on all my social media at Josh Gondolin. And, uh, I just put this up for, for sale this week. I'm recording a new hour long standup special in Brooklyn, June 21st, but it will sell out, uh, at the bell house. I'm super psyched. If you're a New York bugler, I would love for you to be there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really psyched about it. And so uh, I, the bell house is where you made your first bugle. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, that's so fun. I yeah. absolutely it was. So the the scene of the crime. <laughs> uh, Rhea, that's Rhea. how they get you. Returning to the scene of the crime. Rhea, anything to plug? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going on tour this year as well. Back on tour with um, the Reawakening show. So um, there's a couple dates in February, and then we hit the road properly March all the way through to July around the UK and Ireland. So making it technically a uk and european tour yes international <laughs> yeah miss worldwide baby so if you were around the uk or ireland or if you just want to have a nice weekend in dublin and actually buy the tickets because i've heard that the the dubliners they like to leave it to really the last moment and they're making me sweat they really are making me sweat so come spend the weekend with me in ireland and we'll we'll have some green guinness together uh but <laughs> otherwise 
love to see you at any of those dates. Um, those are all on realina.com. Otherwise, I'm going to do my best to get over to New York or at least send people to New York to see Josh on the 21st at the Bell House. Oh, thank I'm gonna you. I'm going to send my sister. She's <laughs> over there with a bunch of I friends. would love for your sister to come. So is that Bell House? June twenty. I'm writing it down June, now. June twenty first. So June 21st, she's got some time. I'm telling her, she, yeah, no, she always. Want, I always give her recommendations of what to go see. And oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Next. Uh, thank you for listening, Buglers. Uh, we will be back next week uh, with Hari Kondabolu. Until then, goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.